Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Thursday, April 14th, 2022. Who are some of your heroes of the faith? As we think through men and women that have been incredible examples of faith, you know, we look to the Bible. We even have, through the benefit now of uh, Christian history and biography, uh, the benefit of having uh, such a cloud of witnesses uh, of examples of faith that we can look to and, and be encouraged in our own faith. But whatever names popped into your head when I asked who were your heroes of the faith, I'm guessing that if you dug a little deeper, if you read more in the Bible about uh, their, you know, their involvement or what they did to serve the Lord and, and how they lived out their faith, or if you read Christian biographies, you will find yes, incredible examples of faith, but you probably you're not going to find outside of Jesus Christ any examples of perfection. You, you will see people who had faith, but faith that wasn't always perfect. And we're going to see some examples of that today. We're going to see the power of faith and of faith in God, but we're also going to see that God can use men and women even when their faith isn't perfect. And I'm hoping that can be an encouragement to us today as well. Let's start in the New Testament, where today we're reading Matthew 21, 12 through 22, Mark 11, 12 through 26, and Luke 19, 45 through 48. And really, there's two events that come up in these passages, and that is the cleansing of the temple and then the cursing of the fig tree. We'll look at it mostly in the Gospel of Mark this morning. And first there, we see Jesus cursing the fig tree as he goes by and there's no fruit on it, but then it gets into cleansing the temple. And this is well known. We think of Jesus overturning the tables, driving out people from the temple, those who bought and sold. And verse 17 says, and he was teaching them and saying to them, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And that's where we see what what really raises the frustration and the ire of Jesus here is that they've taken a place that was meant to be for worship and they've turned it into what he calls a den of robbers. And a lot of what people were doing here is they'd made a big business out of providing some of these things. Now, some of the things you just think of, it talks about money changers and those selling pigeons. Well, a lot of people came from a long way to this feast. And so they're not all bringing their animals with them on that long journey. And so instead they might bring money with them and they might purchase an animal and change their money. So some of the things that are being done here may be providing a legitimate uh, service, a legitimate business um, and, and service to these people that they needed some of these things. However, it seems that uh, the location perhaps and how it was being done is what offended Jesus 
here. Uh, They were doing this in the temple, that they were uh, doing this in a way that was, I I think the idea of den of robbers gives us, these people just cared about the money. They they weren't doing this, hey man, I really want to help people worship. And and, you know, if I did this, that that would help people uh, worship God at the Passover. No, it seems that these people were being driven by, whoa, here's an opportunity to make money, right? Let's rake it in, right? And that's not the way he wanted people thinking about the temple and worship. And so there, that's what we see there in the cleansing of the temple. But then we get back to the fig tree, which he cursed on the way in. And then the next day in the morning, um, it says, as they passed in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its root. So there was something immediate and drastic and noticeable about what Jesus did when he cursed the fig tree. Where the, the next morning they're saying, wow, look, that tree is all withered up. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you have cursed has withered. And Jesus answered him, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So Jesus uh, speaks some amazing things here to the disciples about prayer. And and that's where I'm afraid that uh, many times when we read a verse like that, our tendency is to back away when what we should do is lean in to what Jesus says. Why is our tendency to back away? I think some of it is just that sounds too good to be true. That sounds hard to believe, Jesus. I don't know that I'm buying it. I think another reason why we're tempted to back away from these words is, well, we have seen these words abused. And that's where I think a lot of people just pull out verses like this. They don't consider the context of Jesus. They don't consider the context of the rest of the Bible. And they just pull this out and it becomes really something that's not even godly, just, you know, a way to Uh, kind of motivate people and really just to baptize the jargon of, you know, self-help and and put it, you know, in a Christian way, just, hey, you just got to believe, you just got to have faith, and then you'll make it happen. Uh, You you think of people today talking about this idea of manifesting something, you know, thinking it almost into existence, right? And, And here people are basically just saying, well, let's just pray something into existence. And they twist this and they make it all about, you know, your hopes and your dreams and your business. Hey, if you just believe, that you can have that mansion, you'll get that mansion because look at what Jesus says right here. And that is a twisting that really ignores the context of scripture, ignores the rest of what the Bible teaches about prayer and so many other things. Or people that you know use this for something like healing and saying, well, if you're not being healed, the problem is you don't have enough faith because if you ask for healing and you really believe Well, then God will do it, right? When we see a lot of examples and we know from scripture, we are all going to die. So at some point, um, that's going to be the end. And does that mean, well, you ran out of faith at some point? No. Like I said, these scriptures have been abused in many ways. And we want to avoid that. And I think, unfortunately, that causes us to back away from these things when instead we should lean into these things. And that's where I think the context of the Bible is helpful. One thing that we see is faith is always really tied to an object. You know, he talks about, even look at the first words of Jesus there in verse 22, have faith 
in God. Our faith is in God. And really, who is God? So then we have to get into the character of God. We have to get into the promises of God, the deeds of God, that our faith and even our prayers need some kind of basis. We're not wishing upon a star. We're trusting in God, his character, and his promises. So I would even encourage you in your prayers, focus on the promises of God. Focus on the word of God. Find the things that God has said, and that will give you the faith to say, God, you have said this. Now I'm trusting that you will do what you have said. Because that's another question. You know, well, how do I get to a point? You know, is it just some mental trick that I need to say, well, if I, if I, if I have faith and don't doubt, uh, so do I just need to psych myself up? Don't doubt, don't doubt, don't doubt. No, I need something from God. I need to say, well, because God is this way, because God says this in his word, that's what removes our doubts. The word of God should remove our doubts, not just the hype of, you know, some sensational sermon or something like that. No, the word of God should be what drives our doubts away and fills us with faith so we can go to God and ask in faith that he will do what he has said. And because we're resting on him, his character, his word, his promises, all of our doubts have been removed. So don't run away from passages like this. Lean into them, but do so in a biblical way. Consider all that we're reading in the Bible. Consider who God really is, and I hope our faith will be encouraged. Now, as we talk about examples of faith, um, one thing that maybe will encourage us is, you know, we're like, man, my faith doesn't quite seem up to that level. There's some examples in Judges today that might encourage us as we look at Judges chapter chapters four through six. And chapters four and five tell the story of Deborah and Barak and the victory that they win. And then chapter six tells the beginning of the story of Gideon. Now, in both of these uh, stories, I think we see some things that aren't good examples for us to follow. For instance, Barak, uh, Deborah, who's a, a judge, a prophetess, you know, she tells Barak to, to go and even says to him in verse 6 of chapter 4, she says, has not the Lord, Yahweh, the God of Israel, commanded you, go gather your men. So God had given Barak a command, apparently, to go and to do this. But Barak responds in verse 8, if you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. I don't think that is a good example because God has clearly given him a command and he is saying to some extent, my obedience is conditional because if you're not going with me, Deborah, I'm not going, even though God is commanded. And there even seems to be a consequence for that. In verse nine, she says, I will go with you, but the, the glory is not going to go to you. Uh, the glory is going to go to a woman. And we see that later where this woman drives. I mean, this is uh, not quite PG. She drives a tent peg through this guy's head while he's sleeping. And she gets the glory for killing this evil general. But I don't think that is a great example of faith. And then when you get to the story of Gideon, uh, you, you see that the familiar story of the fleece. Now, as you think through that, as he puts out the fleece the two days in a row, and one day wants the fleece to be wet and the ground to be dry, and the other day he wants the opposite of that, I also don't think that is a great example for us. That we shouldn't, well, God, you really got to prove it to me through some miraculous sign. I don't think that's a model for us. But you know what? 
even though we see these things, and even though I would argue, and I think Barak even more clearly, God had given him a command, and he, he says, well, I need this condition, and because of that, there's a consequence. Even despite all those things, do you know what it says in verse 32 of Hebrews 11, a chapter that is all about heroes of the faith? says, but what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets. And that's where we see Gideon, Barak, and then we see the name Samson and Jephthah. And when we get to those two judges, we're going to see, well, they weren't perfect either, but here they are in this chapter that's all about examples of faith. And why am I making that point? Maybe that seems contradictory. What are you saying? They're not good examples, but they are good examples. What I'm trying to say is they weren't perfect examples. And you might feel like, man, I've got faith, but my faith could be stronger. My faith could be better. My faith isn't perfect. Well, that's where I would say, join the club. Because outside of Jesus Christ, uh, there's no human example that we can look at and say, oh, they had perfect faith. So if you're saying, man, sometimes faith is a struggle. Sometimes I do struggle with doubt. Well, join the club of all those who follow the Lord. I mean, think of the other examples from Hebrews 11 that we've already seen. Abraham, Moses, was their faith perfect? No, we see moments of failure for them. But in the end, they are remembered for their faith. And I hope that encourages us today, that we would have faith. And even when we feel that our faith is small or or we fail in our faith, that that wouldn't get us knocked down and out of the race, that we would get up and keep running by faith. And that maybe some of you listening to this podcast will someday be an example to somebody else because of your faith. And they'll know, yeah, their faith wasn't perfect, but their faith was an example because ultimately it's not just about the power of our faith. It's about the power of God. He is the object of our faith, and I hope that uh, these passages, we put them together today, really encourage our faith as well. And I hope that encourages you this Resurrection Week, and I want to invite you to join us again tonight for our last uh, edition of Resurrection Week Live, and then also for our Good Friday services tomorrow at 5.30 and 7 p.m. at Pathways Middle School. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.